if you want to do well, publish regularly, publish short videos and make them simple. And I'm like, great advice. And then I'm going to take two months, write an hour long video about the history of obscure mathematician, because that's what interests me. And that is where my success comes from. Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. I am your host, Tracy Otsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 240 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast and our newsletter over at tracyotsuka.com. You know, my purpose is always to show you who you are and then inspire you to be it. And in the thousands of ADHD women that I have had the privilege of meeting, I've never met a one that wasn't truly brilliant at something. Not one. So, of course, today I am just delighted to introduce you to Kathy Joseph. Kathy Joseph runs a successful YouTube channel called Kathy Loves Physics. With over 9 million views and 150 plus or minus subscribers, Kathy uses the history of scientists to teach science. She started the channel to promote her book, The Lightning Tamers, but then found that this medium allowed her to diversify into many new topics, such as the history of the Nobel Prize, the birth of wireless, and the early history of quantum mechanics. Kathy uses her channel to test out her ideas in documentary form and learn from her brilliant viewers. This, in turn, has made her book an interactive experience. She has earned four higher education degrees in physics, engineering, and science education, but she feels as if her real education came from spending 12 years as a public high school physics teacher. She is an alumnus of the University of Chicago, Penn State, and the University of Utah. Kathy lives near San Francisco with her fabulous husband, Mike. I love when my guests describe their spouses as fabulous, our partners, and her amazing children, Alicia and Alex, and one very cranky cat aptly named Brutus, who we've already spoken about. I guess he's saying now that you can't close him out of your office. No. Nope, nope, nope. He's decided it's all his. And uh, we're just we're just renting the space from him, basically. 
We do that with our dogs too. It's funny how that works out, but I think we pay for the mortgage. Yeah, but we're still their pet if we think about it. So I need to know, where is near San Francisco? Uh, Pacifica. It, I ah. just moved from San Francisco itself to a, a town. It's about 15 miles south of San Francisco, but it's so foggy and cold here that most people ignore it. And I love it. I love it. It's foggy. It's cold. And it's well, right, and it's on, the right ocean. on the coast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I grew up in Burlingame and Hillsborough. I was born in Germany, but I grew up in Burlingame and Hillsborough. And I'm now in Sonoma County. But I miss the peninsula. I really do. Okay. So, of course, we're going to talk all about your YouTube channel and what it is that you do. But I always want to start out connecting our listeners to our guests by having them share their ADHD diagnoses story, because that kind of gives everything context. So would you mind doing that? Can you tell us what happened? Well, the funny thing is it's connected to my YouTube channel because obviously I had ADHD from childhood, but I never knew I had ADHD because I have the inattentive ADHD and because I'm female, they kind of knew that something wasn't right. And even when I was a teenager, my parents paid a lot of money to have me go through this whole series of tests. Mm -hmm. And they're, yeah, you're really bad at word retention. And like, you have trouble with auditory information, which is, I guess, an extra thing I have, but it's very common with ADHD. I don't know, I'm still learning about ADHD, but but I have that pretty severely as well as the ADHD. And the combination of the two means that like my teachers, you know how teachers will say, okay, let me explain this project you're going to do together. And then as an ADHD person, you're looking out the window and thinking about other things. But even Uh if I'm not looking out the window and thinking about other things, more than one instruction at a time means I lose it. So even when I was paying attention, I still was like, okay, everyone get your groups. I'm like, okay, now I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. You right. know, is it down? And yeah. But, and then it's compounded by this auditory processing challenge, right? So I, I can only imagine. Well, on the other hand, I feel like in retrospect, it really taught me my real strength is pattern making which I think is very common with ADHD people. So explain what that is. Well, I'm, I'm very bad at the details necessarily, but I'm good at seeing the whole picture. Like if you watch uh, a movie and you look at there and you're like, oh, that's going to be the bad guy. And everyone else is like, how do you know that's going to be the bad guy? And they're like, because, you know, this person's going to die. They coughed once. This yes, person exactly. going to do this. You see all those little details and put them together, right? Right. And like my kids are like, please stop spoiling every movie. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen it. I just, they follow patterns. And once you learn the patterns, you can see it better. And mm-hmm. like every skill, the more you are trained in it, the better you get. But for me, because when I someone tells me their name, there's no way I will remember it unless I see it. And even then, it's not always certain. 
that means I have to look for the clues and make the pattern from how they talk to me. I have to fake it. All this faking in school and social life train me over and over and over again to see patterns. And so, for example, in like math, I thought I was terrible at math for many, many, many years because like I couldn't memorize my times tape. I, what I did was I made up tricks to memorize my times table. But unfortunately, I thought that was cheating. I was like, I'm bad at math because I can't just memorize how to multiply by eight. All I know how to do is multiply by two, three times. And everyone else was like, that's actually good at math? Yeah. But I didn't realize that was good at math. I thought that meant I was bad because other people could just memorize their times table and they were just comfortable with left and right. And they were just naturally didn't struggle with that stuff. And I had to make the patterns. But then when the math got harder, they didn't know how to make the patterns. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, don't you see this? I didn't feel like dot as much as it was like. Oh, wow. Everyone's suddenly turning to me for help. And it's, and the harder the material got, the smarter I felt. When did that start to happen for you? I would say towards the end of high school. So uh-huh. I was in this advanced math class and it was a calculus class. So, and but the, wait a minute, Kathy, you're in an advanced math class, so you must have known I'm good at math by then. No, I thought I, I still thought it was bad. Well, like you thought it was an accident? You were there? Well, I had a sophomore math teacher who told me that I should quit because oh, she said, this is the craziest thing. She was that like, teacher well, should quit. Yeah. She was like, you're too disorganized to be in math class, which... <laughs> Your handwriting is too ugly to be in math class, which was like, I didn't think you needed nice handwriting to be in math class. Well, and they probably tell that only to the girls. Oh, specifically to the girls. She told me that I wasn't the smartest girl in the class. And only at the advanced classes, there's only one girl. So unless I'm the smartest girl, I can't stay in there. And I thought, well, I, I just have to be not the stupidest. I don't want to be the smartest girl. It just seemed illogical to me. So I just stuck with it out of pure spite. Oh, I love it. (laughs) And then I got to this other math teacher and he was delightful, except that he had this one feature, which is he didn't like to grade homework. So what he did was he would make the homework collection random. He like throw dice. And if it rolled up this, no. And you can guess what happened. Did you guess yeah. what happened? Yeah. I'm it a was gambler. times you weren't prepared. Oh, no. I was always not prepared. I oh, never God. did my homework. Because okay. there's, I mean, it's so hard to do your homework to be motivated. And we always think that it's never going to happen, right? Well, we're optimists. I've never met bigger optimists than 80. Yeah, like... 20 minute drive. I can make it in 15 minutes. <laughs> well, of course you can, because one time you did on a holiday when there was no traffic, and that's what sticks in our brain, right? 15 minutes that one time. 
I think I'm like a puppy dog. I don't even need to have it succeed once. I can just think it might. There's a chance something might work out. And I'm just like, fine, it will totally work out. But then I was in that, I wasn't doing my homework. And then I had this, there was a certain subject that I missed and it was on the test. And I kept on failing that part. And I'm really good at tests because I'm really good at patterns. Ah. And so I would always make things up with the test. But then I, I couldn't make that one up because I'd missed that one subject. So I kept on getting bad grades and I was getting a D in calculus as a senior in high school. I'm like, I'm not going to get into college. I'm in big trouble. So what do I do? Someone says you should do the odd, some odd problems in the book because odd problems have answers in the back of the book, right? So I did every odd problem in the book. And? and I mean, like everyone, I did about 400 problems in the cup, but it just did them. And, and did what I tell, happened? Well, I, I got better grades on the test, but I don't think I told the teacher that I did all the work. I just didn't oh think of it. But then after that, I was so good at the math because I had practiced it so wow. intensely mm-hmm. that it was it was easy for me. So when I went to college and you had to take these tests to see what level you got into, I skipped out of the first year of math, advanced math. Wow. And everyone else started going to me for help. And I was like, well, maybe I'm not stupid. But it was it was a really slow burn. I really didn't think I was smart for a really long time. It's so interesting, though, Kathy. Once you started doing things your way, you did all those problems in the back of the book. Everything kind of started to fire and connect. Can I ask you what high school you went to? I'm curious if I know. It's a school. Oh, it's a private high school, which is um, confusingly named University High School. Yeah. Yeah, of course I know university high school. Uh, yeah, you're at very high school. And very difficult uh, to get into today. Yeah, it was a terrible fit for me, mostly. It was uh, all those privates. I, my parents earn, I have older sisters, and my older sisters went to public school, and my parents had issues with their schooling. And then by the time I went to school, they're like, okay, private school all the way. We're going to make you, you know, get the best education with yeah. the best teachers. And all of that was so formal and so rigorous. And so like, I mean, I went to a middle school uh, and elementary school where they had a uniform and I got a grade for my uniform. And my mom would be like, how did you get a D in uniform? Was this Catholic school? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't religious, but it was still, I, I, I was like, I don't know. And she said, the next teacher gave you an A. And I just didn't have the heart to tell her, well, that teacher didn't care that my socks weren't rope properly. But I mean, like, on your YouTube channel, you talk about how you, this must have been the school where, you yeah. actually had to pay when you lost things. That and so you were collecting school. Okay. Yeah. So tell me that story. Tell us that story. Oh, my gosh. This elementary school, they're like, too many kids are like losing stuff in the lost and found. We'll encourage good behavior by charging you a quarter to get something from the lost and found. 
So every day I was spending like $2 to get my pens back and my jacket back and my whatever. And eventually my parents were like, okay, Kathy, just let the pens and the pencils go. We said, did you hear this? Your parents sounded pretty great. Like they They sound like they could laugh about all this. They were, but the only, the big conflict was they were very focused on education. Yes. And nobody could figure out why I wasn't living up to my potential. Ah. They could see that I was interested. They could Mm -hmm. see that I could make these good arguments that I was involved, that I was energetic, that I had ideas. And they're like, and then you, I mean, I wasn't getting terrible grades, but you know, if I got a B minus, they're like, what, why? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. And I just, I didn't know why it was so frustrating for me. I just wanted them to be happy with it, with happy with my progress. You know, I wanted them to go to those parent teacher conferences and come back being happy. And every time they were miserable, they'd go and they'd come back and they'd be like, why didn't you do your homework? Why did you leave this blank? Why did you space out and carve into the desk? And I'm like, I don't know, because it was there. Oh, my God. Yeah. We got in trouble for that, right? If you like carved into the desk. Oh, my gosh. I am. But I would never. I mean, I was I would never do something bad on purpose. Of course not. Yeah, but then consciously, attention, and you just and started writing on it. Like realized that oh shoot, I just okay, maybe don't give me a knife, never. Like a knife? Why are they giving you a knife? No, no, I meant like any a pencil. I mean yeah, anything any sharp, right, or something. Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm, so I'm, I'm curious. Clearly, you had tons of potential, but. In this formal school setting, social construct, right? It was not working out, but you did okay. I'm curious how you were socially. If that was a struggle or was that fairly easy for you? You seem very outgoing and extroverted. It was a huge struggle. Huge, 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 huge. I had, it just seemed so confusing to me, all the social rules, especially the girl rules. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Especially when I turned like 11 and suddenly like all my, I had some friends and they all decided they were married to different movie stars or musicians. There were people (laughs) married to the singers at Duran Duran. Someone was married to Andy Sumner, the main sting, which was good taste. Sting's handsome. Someone was married to Boy George, which even as an 11 year old, I thought, I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're not his type, but also, like, you're yeah. not going to meet him, so what does it matter? And I felt kind of mixed about that one. And I just remember, like, I can't remember who I'm supposed to be wanting to marry here. It just didn't make any sense to me, the whole, like, makeup thing. I had no interest in makeup, and I didn't know how to fake it and I didn't know. It took me a little while to sort of figure out, like, to just, I don't know, to borrow from the gay community, to let my freak flag fly, to just be <laughs> like, this is who I am. And 
take it or leave it. Right. And some people will not like me and that's okay. Yeah. It took me a long time to get that. And so, yeah. And then I went to an all girls school and that meant that like, I didn't really didn't know how to interact with the boys. And that was all really, really hard. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I've met anyone with ADHD. It was like, school was so easy. Friends were so easy. Yeah. I totally got it. Because I didn't get it. Yeah. It was well, hard. I think, you know, we generally can be so oppositional, meaning we don't. It's not even so much that. I mean, some of us, I think, really understand the social constructs, but we're kind of like, why? You know, so we yeah. can be kind of defiant and we don't just kind of go along and get along and fit in like, you know, good girls are supposed to. So it makes sense. But somewhere along the line, you said you just decided, okay, I'm going to let my freak flag fly. I'm just going to be myself. When did that happen? Oh, that was very gradual. I mean, part of it was going to college and studying physics. I got to say, for example, like I was always told I was lazy when I was Mm. Not by my parents, but it was sort of implied. I of mean, course. against, but just like in general, like everyone thought I was lazy. But you take advanced physics and people stop calling you lazy. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And just like I willingly did this to myself, but they're like, oh, you're not lazy. No matter what, after that. Mm. So it was really that like relief. And then also just like because I felt. I went to a very nerdy school and I hung out with a lot of other nerdy people and it felt very freeing to be like, it was so much easier to make friends there, I felt. And it was a lot less like, oh my gosh, you don't know how to wear makeup. And it's like, <laughs> okay, whatever. We don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, a question that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Do you feel like... Just the whole social construct built around being a woman just has never fit for you in that you actually feel like you're pretty masculine, you know, in your behaviors and your attitudes and, you know, just the rules that are set out for women. Because I feel like, you know, when people see me, they think, oh, you know, I am the person who usually has my hair done and wears makeup and blah, blah, blah. But I, I've always felt so masculine in my energy and what I'm interested in and my intensity. And that can be kind of off-putting, right, to all the little groups mm. of women. I, I feel like society has different definitions of femininity and masculinity that change over time. For example, in the 1800s, it was very masculine to write poetry. Only the men Isn't wrote poetry. And yeah. if women wrote poetry, it's like, okay, good try, but it's not really, you're well, doing the under a man's name, right? Well, are you, if this is a masculine pursuit, yeah, you have that's to find your feminine way to do this masculine pursuit. And now uh, poetry is considered a feminine pursuit. Yeah. And it's like skirts. There's nothing inherently feminine about skirts. Yeah. It's yet that society says at one time or another, skirts are for women or skirts are for men or skirts are for both or dresses or tights or makeup or whatever. And so I think what happened. 
there was a guy who showed up every day in a skirt. He was so cool. I bet he was because he's defying what culture says. And I think a lot of people with ADHD, we, we have our passions, we have our interests, and yeah. it makes us feel like we're typically masculine. But there's nothing masculine about being loud and having passions and having interests. There's nothing masculine about math. There's nothing yeah. masculine about science. There's nothing masculine about poetry. There's nothing masculine about literature. There's nothing feminine about those things either. Yeah. And there's nothing masculine or feminine about art. And I think of science actually as a form of art. Um, totally. I think of scientists as artists. We look at the world around us and we try to make a model. And then we try to convince everyone else that our model is good. And we act like other artists. You think of artists, temperamental, crazy, obsessed. Creative. It's totally creative. Creative. Um, and then you will start looking into different scientists and you're like, oh, yeah, we're artists. They're artists. And, and you start to see the parallels and it becomes far less like, this is what masculine it is and this is what feminine is and more like this is what creativity looks like. It looks out there. It looks uneven. And I don't think you can have a, and not every creative person has ADHD, clearly. But you cannot look at a creative person, a truly creative person, without seeing them being uneven and mm. seeing them being non-typical. That's what makes our world so amazing is all these creative, untypical people. Yeah. And that we try to fit ourselves into typical, you know, like when you're 11 and 12 and all you want to be is just the same height as everyone and just the same, you know, like every yes. redhead I've ever met hated being a redhead when we were, they were 11 because they just didn't want to be different. Yeah. All you want to be is like, please let me be normal. And then you don't realize what you're asking is, please let me be average. And boring. And yeah, that's not that exciting. Who wants <laughs> to be average? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So you said that your YouTube channel is what it's turned the light bulb on for you that, oh my gosh, could this be ADHD? So can you tell that story? Of course. So, so what happened was I was a teacher for a while and then I was a part-time teacher and then I had my second child and I ended up having a new principal who didn't want me back. And I was like, okay, I have to do something besides take care of my kids and my mother or I'll go extra insane. So I decided to try to write a book and I just started writing. Um, and it what turned was the into book on? this book that turned into my book, The Lightning Tamers. Uh, it's okay. on the history of science. And then okay. after about a year when I'd written, it just I just let my mind go wherever it wanted to go. So that was sort of the lightning tamers plus a little book on the history of wireless, plus a little bit on the history of quantum mechanics and a little bit on x-rays and, you know, like all sorts of, I just went wherever I wanted to go. And it was 
it was delightful. It was so much fun to just let my brain just go haywire. And I was talking to my best friend and I'm like, well, should I, how do I get people to buy this thing? <laughs> and she, I'm like, should I start a blog? And she's like, Kathy, you like to talk. Start a blog. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. what's a blog? She says, YouTube. I'm like, okay. So I start a YouTube channel, like I said. And for many years, I was working on it. I loved doing it. And it was doing fine. And then about a year and a half ago, one of them went kind of viral. And when it went viral, things went, the comments, the tenor of the comments changed. And one of the things that happened was that people started complaining a lot about me gesticulating. And the complaints got me, I mean, like the compliments got beautiful. And also the complaints got weird. And I was like, well, that's how I talk. And everyone's like, well, just don't move your hands. And, but I mean, and people in real life, I'd say these people are being really mean. They're like telling me to chop off my hands and tie down oh my, my hands. And only ignorant people use their hands. I'm like... Uh, do you think everyone in Italy is ignorant or in what is this? They've obviously never been to Italy. That's what I said. I said I'm married to an Italian, so I gesticulate. Me too. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and, but then I tell people in my life, in real life, and they'd say, oh, they're being really mean, but you should probably stop moving your hands. Mm. And I'm like, but, and I tried. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. They're connected. It works. But it just kept on hitting me. Like, it just hit me that I was different. And then also, I started getting lots of compliments. And I realized that, like, I'm good at this. And I had never felt like I was really good at something before. Even when I was uh -huh. doing well in school. Yeah. Um, but then... I ended up going on this, I call it almost a field trip. I went to Washington State. I went to this really cool museum. And I was in the car with the person who invited me, uh, a guy named uh, Jeff, and he builds giant Tesla coils. And we're talking about the history of science because that's what I'm always talking about. And he turned to me, or well, he was driving, so he, he didn't turn to me, but he <laughs> kind of turned to me. And he said, you have something like you have the greatest memory I've ever seen. And I was, I thought he was joking. I've never been complimented. I always thought I had the worst memory anyone had ever encountered. And it turns out that, yes, I do for straight. Like, I went to, the, you know, if I go to a park, I talk to someone at the park. I leave the park. Someone says, who did you talk to? Person. It might have been... I don't remember. I remember I had a nice conversation. I can't remember any details from the conversation. And then I meet that person again. They're like, hi, Kathy. And I'm like, hey, person. Yeah, fuck <laughs> you. Totally. I'm better. I'm better faking it than that, but I'm not that much better. And so it was like, I, I couldn't believe it. He, on, he wasn't joking. He thought I had the best memory. And then I was thinking, I'm like, wait a minute. I can, t I mean, like, I read a book. It's 300 and something pages long. And you could pick a random page, ask me about a person in it, and I could lay out the story with the timeline and sometimes direct quotes 
exact years or maybe it'd be off by a year, depending on which page you put and which person and how many years it's been since I've thought about that person. But that's an extraordinary memory combined with an extraordinarily bad memory. And I went, oh, wait, I'm not neurotypical. Ding. What is it then? And I started searching around. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm, I'm like, oh, autism doesn't really seem to click with me. And then I bumped into ADHD and then I learned about inattentive ADHD. And I'm like, ding, 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 ding. And everything fits so well that I felt like, okay, this is it. And uh, learning that just made me, it, fit, it felt so good. It felt so good. So it felt so why? exciting. Tell me why. So it felt like the, my whole life I'd been like so disappointed in myself. I wanted to be different. I wanted to do things the way that other people did them. And I was so mad. Why was I always late? Why was I struggling with these things that no one else seemed to struggle with? Why could they all, you know, put the laundry in the washer, then put it in the dryer, then fold it? And not to mention iron it. Like, what the hell? Who iron? And then put it away. Why? Oh, my God. And then put them away. That's so hard. And for some reason, when they fold it, it looks nice. Uh, um, forget fitted sheets, even like shirts. Oh, Somehow I fold it and it looks like, I don't know. I mean, I mean it's bad. My seven-year-old folds shirts. He folds shirts better than I do. And I'm like, okay, this is embarrassing. I don't know how he learned that. Not for me. So that, uh, that whole feeling of like, what the hell is wrong with me? And then I was like, oh, this is what's wrong with me. And then it took me a little while to realize, no, this is what's right with me. Yeah. This is the, you cannot be really good at seeing the big picture and really good at the details. You're one or the other. And I happen to be really good at the big picture. That means I'm really bad at the details. I mean, a certain kind of detail. Like I said, There's other details that stick with me and other ones that don't. And I'm pretty sure that everyone with ADHD has details that they they're good at. But not necessarily the details that society expects you to be good at. And and once I realized that and I it's more like the more I forgave myself, the better I did. And the more I remembered that. Like having ADHD can be a giant pain. It can be a giant pain in the ass for you, for your family, for your loved ones, for your coworkers. But for society, mm. it's a global benefit. We need, we don't need everyone to have this. Because <laughs> it'd be chaos. <clears throat> but we need a portion of people to be different thinkers in order for us to have arts and science and creativity and we don't need to make up for 
being ourselves because being ourselves makes society, I feel like we're the spice of society. You yeah. know, we, we're the sriracha sauce. Like, <laughs> yeah, if we're all sriracha sauce, it's a bad meal. But like, when we're at a sriracha sauce, it's really sad. I don't know, unless you hate sriracha. I love sriracha sauce. But you know what I, I mean? Too. Like, if you're at a, when there's a, run on sriracha sauce. You're like, no, we need more. We need a little bit of spice in the world to make it flavorful and interesting. That's what we provide. And once I tried to get rid of some of this guilt of like, I have to make up to the world for being myself. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I don't. It just, that part felt good. Does that make sense? Well, and it's interesting, though. That's the beauty of your YouTube channel, right? Your YouTube channel is what allowed you to see, oh, my gosh, this is when I'm my best. And I really believe that it's your too muchness, your drivenness, you're too intense, you're too loud, you're too colorful, whatever, right? right? That is what you are using. And I think many people who are leaders with ADHD are using to attract people. It's your larger than likeness that makes you successful because you're fun and colorful and interesting to listen to and watch. I think that a lot of some people think I'm faking when they watch my channel, because when I'm talking about the history of science, I'm all I mean, this is on the channel and in real life. I'm like, can I tell you about how the first yeah. colored photograph was made? No, I want to tell you about the first colored photograph. James Kirk Maxwell, he did three different colors with three different filters and he shined it. Sorry. Anyway, him and his I wife. love it. But anyway, people think I'm faking it. I think that's part of the reason they don't. They think I'm putting on a show like, oh, she's pretending she's this excited. But then like, no, that stuff is super cool. I really like this. And I would like other people to realize that they can understand it too, even if their brains work differently than mine, it they can understand it too, because almost everyone does better knowing personal stories. Totally. We learn, I mean, like you remember a movie yeah. that you watched in high school. You don't remember the chemistry lesson because the movie had the dinosaur that ate the person, you know, like that, that sticks with you. Yeah. But the, you know, and I feel like we're keep on saying, oh, we need to get more people into science. And I agree. And I say, like, let's bring the people back into science. And that will automatically make it more interesting for everyone, including people with ADHD. Right. So I'm curious, what were you like as a physics teacher? Were you this? Yes. Uh, totally this. I was... Um, I didn't do as much history because I didn't know as much history. Mm. Um, but I would incorporate the little bits that I had. I was terrible at discipline. I was terrible at figuring out who was who, which has made it teaching really hard. No. Um, faculty meetings were beyond horrific to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad I'm not doing that right now. That's one of my big Things. I'm like, I'm no longer doing faculty meetings. <laughs> I miss the you're, you're teaching and your teaching platform is so much larger, right? So right, that's so exciting. Right. It, yes, it, it's, it's astonishing. I mean, like, 
I think you misspoke. You said I have a, almost 150 subscribers. I have 150,000. Did I say 150? I meant 150,000. So it's okay. It's okay. It's not a problem. And it's just, it's a weird experience to think like, oh, wow, you know, thousands of people have heard me blabbing. Okay. <laughs> and does feel it's hard not to get insecure every once in a while, but it's also, I also get comments of like, oh, you inspired me to like, a couple people have inspired to go back to school or go to school or study engineering or study physics. And I'm like, oh, it's so exciting. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I definitely love this. And I feel like my success is completely tied to me just being myself. And part of being myself is letting my ADHD just do what it wants to do and letting it go down its rabbit holes and, and whatever I want to study. And because like most of the time on YouTube, they say, well, if you want to do well, publish regularly and publish short videos and make them simple. And I'm like, great advice. And then I'm going to take two months, write an hour long video about the history of obscure mathematician, because that's what interests me. And so again, and you're not listening to the rules. You are just doing what you love. You're becoming more of you. Yes. And that is where my success comes from. So I'm curious, you've talked already about all these naysayers, like the mean people. What do you do with them? Do you read their comments or do you just like, I can't even go there. I'm just going to keep being more of me. Our brains want it all. We love anything that is new, bright, sparkly, different. But that's often what keeps us distracted and feeling all over the place. So I have something that I know can help you. It's my free masterclass called What Do I Do With My Life From Chaos to Confidence? This popular class will give you the tools to make faster, more confident decisions that actually serve you so you're doing what you really want to do instead of what others are telling you that you should do. You know, we try so hard to fit in when in reality, that's the problem. With our ADHD brains, our brilliant ADHD brains, we're not meant to fit in. We're actually meant to stand out. So that begs the question, where are we actually meant to stand out? Join me at spyhappy.me forward slash MC. That's spyhappy.me forward slash MC. And let's find out together. Now, let's get back to our podcast. Do you read their comments or do you just like, I can't even go there. I'm just going to keep being more of me. Oh, I read the comments. I read all the comments. Part of it is that I get so much from the comments that aren't the, the, the mean I mean, ones. I, ju I just got one earlier today and I was asking my husband about it. And he said something like, uh, darling, stick to the history. You don't know any physics. You are the, what, what they call the poison mind. You are, and I'm like, and I was going to say, and I was like, you know, stick to it. You don't know anything. And um, I was going to, I had this whole thing of like, 
hey, I thought people would be interested in like looking into this. And then I was going to say, okay, (laughs) you know, lum lum or something like that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm forgetting my big power as a YouTuber. My big power is if someone says something obnoxious, I can delete them from the channel forever. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. So I just moved and I kind of got very discombobulated and it got really hard for me to finish anything for like three months. Hmm. And and it made me kind of crazy. And I was like, ah, I've got to finish something. And then I was like, no, that kind of thinking of like, I have to do this is really bad for me. It makes me really stressed out and not Mm. happy. Mm -hmm. So what I did instead was I'm like, here's the next 12 videos. This is what I'm thinking of doing. And I just talked about it. And some of them are, in fact, all of them are controversial. (laughs) I'm kicking up so many hornet's nests. That's why people are saying stuff like, okay, honey, you're wrong about, you know. And I was like, but it's, it's been such a, so I'm, I'm used to like people being mean about physics. It doesn't hit me the same way anymore because it's like, oh, it's just I have the control. And also, I really want to both listen to the people who have interesting things to say. Yeah. And sometimes someone will be make a rude comment and I can say a nice comment in return sometimes and they will sort of backtrack and realize that they were jumping the gun a little bit because it's it's so easy online to get isn't it to to forget that there's a human being on the other side in both directions and sort of like and I do this too I mean I'm I try to be nice but sometimes I'm just like not always nice um I try to be but I yeah no I I actually for me Reading the comments, it's such an important part of the video processing. For me, it makes it be like, oh, okay, there are a bunch of people disagree with this point. I need to elaborate more. Whoa. Okay. This, do you I, see I what I what mean? You're saying. Yeah, I totally, I totally see what you mean. You said you've gotten a lot better, though, at just dealing with it. So I'm curious if prior to this YouTube channel, did you struggle with rumination? Or have you always been like, eh, I'm just going to keep going? Um, I would say high school teaching also helped me with that. <laughs> because I sometimes teaching at a public high school, it's like I sometimes describe it as like um, being at a dive bar. You know, with one of those chain link fences in front. You know, like when you bomb, you so bomb. Like people, it's just bad. When it goes bad, it goes so bad. But when it goes well, it goes so well. And there's something magical about when it goes well. But it's like, yeah, lots of teenagers just don't have filters and they'll just say stuff to you like mean stuff but they don't think it's mean they just haven't thought it through and they'll just say you know something about their 
you know, they used to hate their teacher, but now they guess they feel like you're okay. And you're like, I'm right here, right in front of you. Let be polite, even fake polite. No, no. I mean, some people are, but lots of kids, they're just, they're struggling and they're, I gotta say, teaching high school, it taught me to like myself more, but also to see myself in them and in their struggles and in, like, for example, I could never remember when quizzes and tests were because it was always this, every quiz was a surprise quiz. I could never remember when it was. I could never remember to write it down. And when I did write it down, I could never remember to look where I wrote it down yeah. or whatever. It was always surprise quizzes. So when I became a teacher, I set up my classes. So the structure was exactly the same every week. Yeah. Quizzes were every Friday. Mm. And I made it like, okay, if you miss a quiz for any reason, it's no big deal. If you go into a class on Friday and you are having a bad day, you skip the quiz. Come by next week. Lunch. Take the quiz then. Don't worry about it. You don't have to explain it to me. Sometimes you're just not in the mood for physics. Sometimes someone just said a real thing to your boyfriend and now <laughs> you're, you know, like sometimes yeah. life gets in your head and you just can't do this stuff. And I structured it to help people with my kind of brain, but yeah. I felt like it helped people with every kind of brain. It totally does. Right. right? So I, I didn't even know I had ADHD, but I was still trying to be like kids who were like me. So no, no, no. Um, so I'm curious. What do you think about the state of our current education system? Sigh. Um, yeah. I'm very frustrated with it. Uh, I think everyone is. I think that we, I mean, we don't pay teachers enough, clearly. Absolutely not. Yep. We don't give teachers enough freedom. And we, we make it more paperwork and more... And we don't make educate. We make education more. We're trying to make sure that we're doing a good job by testing more. And I don't feel like that's helping in any way, shape, or form. And I wish we had more. I um, I really feel, for example, like I wish we could teach physics. And I'm hoping to. At first, I was like, oh, I can make this website and I can do the YouTube and I can write my books and I can and I can't. And, and then I realized I'm like, no, I, you know, I can't. I'm doing too much. I know it really is. I like I get emails about like you and your team. I'm like, I have no I mean, for my videos, I have no editor. I, I'm the editor. I'm the scriptwriter. I'm the researcher. I'm the speaker. I add the pictures. And my friend of mine made the theme song, and that's it. The, it other than that, it's me, my oh, I, I had someone else helping me with the thumbnails now. But like, like really, that's it. And for my book, obviously, I had editors and stuff like that. But for my videos, it's just me, myself, and I. And I'll get emails like, "Dear Kathy, loves physics and team," and I'm like, "Okay, team, what do you think?" 
<laughs> yeah, you need some help. Well, I, yes, but I'm, I don't the know. The stuff you it, hate to do needs to be farmed off to someone. <laughs> no, but I don't know what I think. I actually like most of it except the website design, uh-huh, which I That's hate. really interesting. So if you love doing it, you probably do it very well. You actually do do it very well. I've seen it. Oh, thank you. I mean, the sound editing is terrible, but I, I, for me, but like that, I'm in my mind, part of making the video is putting it together, put adding mm-hmm. the images. I add the images before I film it, actually, usually. So it's reverse order. I add the images and usually adding the images because I had original images from like original sources. Yeah. By adding those images, I learn something new and then I end up rewriting my script. So I can't farm that stuff out. But I was hoping to start a website where I had. So I make these videos about the history of science to teach the science, but it is not teacher friendly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's teacher friendly in the I don't swear. Stuff like that. (laughs) But it's not teacher friendly, meaning it's not in a lesson plan. Mm. And I'm trying to slowly put together lesson plans. I want to put together a few lesson plans and then set up something so teachers can do their own lesson plans and be interactive. And I want to try to pay them for that, but I don't want to pay them. I want to convince other people to pay them. Yeah. Grand plans. But um, I'm trying to slow my roll down so that I can do it step by step. But part of it is I'd like teaching to be more historically based and be more connected because I feel like for example science which is my field Mm -hmm. I feel like we're taught science as a series of facts with some equations attached and that we're told that's real science right Mm -hmm. and the history and where it came from that's just sort of a fun side thing if you have time but we never have time instead of the real science, and we used to teach science through the history. I mean, sanitized history, but we used to teach it through the history. And then we decided that it's too controversial or it's too much trouble, takes too long, and we stopped. But it's, in my mind, it's such a profoundly good way to teach and learn. And it's so interactive. You learn about history at the time because you take a deep dive into different people in different places, not just kings and queens and battles, but like some person working at a bookshop in 1809. What was that like? Well, look into Michael Faraday's life, then you'll know it. Like, I mean, you'll know one person's experience with right. this. Right. And, and like... Example, I was reading this... Um... Well, skimming around this biography of this obscure mathematician named William Rowan Hamilton, who was amazing. And he was writing a friend in 1830 or so. He was an astronomer. He said this woman came in with her baby. He described her as a genius. And he said she turned to him and said, no matter what a woman does, she can never get this, meaning the astronomy she can never have a position here. And he oh. was right. She, she can never become an astronomer. She can never 
have a position of authority where she's teaching people, no matter what, she can never but have she saying this because just by virtue of being a woman or because of society wouldn't allow her to have this or but to be because that. Because society wouldn't allow her as a woman to okay. do this. Yeah. And he was writing a friend like, isn't this a shame? She is so right. And I'm like, see, we think people in the 1830s Ireland didn't know sexism was bad. They knew sexism was bad. They knew it was BS. They knew women could be brilliant. They just knew society wouldn't let them. And I'm like, you get these different insights to how life was, aside from, you know, all of my knowledge of early 1800s is from, like, Pride and Prejudice. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with Pride and Prejudice, but then one slice of society, of mm. one place in society, and one person's voice in society. And if you look at the scientists, they kept their letters, they kept their diaries, they kept all this stuff. You can see what their humor was like. And it's, I find it fascinating for understanding the history and for understanding how technology develops and the science. If you mush this all together, it's so much more interesting and it's so much more important for our development as people in society to understand how everything sort of fits together. And totally. so like, I think it would be inspiring too for a teenager who's reading this, right? And right. thinking, oh my gosh, that was going on then. Well, this is going to motivate me because I love this to do what I want in this field. Right. I, think, I feel like it's like those old Saturday Night Live commercials that said the floor waxes, dessert topping, and no, it's both. I don't know if you've ever saw this one. Lord, I mean, what? Yeah, you don't remember that? Oh, sorry. Uh, there's an old Saturday Night You know how they have these fake commercials? Yeah. 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 They had this one like, I oh, know it's a dessert chopping. No, it's a floor wax. It's both. And I feel like that, like for me, the history of science is helpful for everyone. It's mm. helpful for basically every reason. I'm, I'm very passionate about this, but also I just I believe like, but you can like, you can see how someone could be inspired to be like, for example, like, Yes, the history of science is full of old dead men. True, all mm. dead white men. White men, yeah. And as far as we can tell, almost all straight, because if they weren't, they kept it quiet. Yeah. But there was such diversity of brains. There were people, like I, I mentioned Michael Faraday. He's one of my favorites. He went to school for a week. He could never do math. He had a math phobia. He was one of the greatest, I would argue, the greatest and most influential scientist who ever lived. Wow. Einstein had a drawing of him on this wall. Like, he was really, really important, and he could never do any math. And then there was other people like Andre Marie Ampere, who also didn't go to school. His father didn't believe in education. He taught hmm. him how to read, how to do basic math, put him in a giant library and said, learn, kid. And this kid learned like 24 languages by reading the dictionary. I mean, like there was such diversity of brains. And yeah. nowadays it's like, unless they're more welcoming, but not perfect for you, gender and gender identity and all that and race and country of origin, but like diversity of brains, I feel like they're worse. Yeah. 
Like if you aren't great at math, you can't be a physicist. Right? Well, and, and it's just and- so ridiculous. You can't even, you know, you you can't even graduate from high school at times. Like, you right. know, with this whole algebra thing and how some brains just can't do algebra. Why would you keep punishing them? Right. Well, I, I think there's different ways to approach math in mm. terms of like, I think everyone needs some sort of basic maths, but that doesn't necessarily mean algebra. Yeah. Just like everyone needs basic literacy, but some mm-hmm. people have problems with reading traditional ways. Right. And like we have this idea, okay, you have to take algebra and then, you know, pre-trig and then trig and then calculus and then, yes. and it's like, okay, that works for some people, but not a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and if there was more, like, I think it serves more to turn people off of math. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me because I'm, I'm really not a math teacher. So much. No, no, I'm not a math teacher. I, I don't love math so much. I feel like math ah. is a tool I like mm-hmm. to use, yeah. and I'm comfortable with using. But it's it doesn't make me have joy the same way that physics causes me joy. And so occasionally I see it, but usually when it's connected to physics, I'm like, ah, that equation is really cool for this reason. Mm -hmm. And that's because I'm comfortable with the math. But to me, the math isn't the point. But for many people, the math is the point. That's where they get their joy. And I feel like those are the people we should talk to in terms of like, how do we get joy in math? Because... I don't get that much joy from math. I'm like, ah, it's fine. But I get so much joy from science and from history. That yeah. one, I have a lot of opinions on how we should be done. So I'm curious, who's your favorite female scientist? I think it's a woman named Hertha Ayrton. A-R-Y-T-O-N. Her n- first name is Hertha, H-E-R-T-H-A. It was a nickname. Her real name was Stephanie, I think. She was a scientist in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And she is, they, she was a scientist suffragette. And oh my gosh, she, I just, I was telling my friends, I met this woman, I love her so much. I love her so much. And everyone's like, should your husband worry? I'm like, well, she died in like 1924. So I'm not sure we're really, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure my husband really no, has to worry. But, oh my God, I love her so much. And one of the things I love about her is, so when she died, a fellow suffragette wrote a biography of her, including several of her letters. And now it's out of print. So I'm like, oh, I have to write a biography of her. But, you know, it's, I have a long list of stuff to do. So I'm not saying whether it's going to get done, but it's going to get done someday because I love her. And one of the things I found fascinating from this biography, which you can rent from the library, is that she became a stepmother and then a mother. She married a man who had a child and then she had a child of her own. And her descriptions of being a mother and a scientist are just like she so the stepdaughter was struggling with her as a mother and struggling with her, and then she had a child, and she sort of 
asked for her stepdaughter's help. And as her stepdaughter got older, she would write her letters about, you know, the crazy things the daughter would do. Like, their daughter would just come in and say, can't you just be normal and stop doing science? She's like, hee, 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 writing this thing. And eventually her daughter became this um, suffragette as well and became either the first or the second female, um, she was English. She got elected to public office in England. And I forgot the name for that. She got elected to parliament. She was either the first or the second woman to be elected in parliament in England, her daughter. So her daughter obviously changed her mind about won't you be a normal woman? Uh, so her daughter gets in jail for being a suffragette and she's writing someone else about, oh, and she kept on being like, they would have these big protests and her daughter would start shouting, this is Hertha Ayrton, because she was really famous at the time, to keep people from beating her mother up. And so, like, they beat up every other woman, but not Hertha. And then afterwards, Hertha's job was to take the women. They, the women would be put in jail. They'd go on hunger strikes. When the women got too sick, they released the women. Hertha would help them recover. And then when they recovered, they would rearrest the women and they'd go on hunger strikes again. And they just, this torture would just go over and over and over again. And she was writing this letter to a friend about how all of this prejudice is so depressing because think of all the good we could be doing if we weren't busy fighting this BS. And Kind of like today, huh? Exactly. Oh, my gosh. The, The parallels are so strong. And then she had this other letter to her daughter on her, I think it was on her 21st or 22nd birthday, about how she remembered when she was born and she was born with one eye open. She said it was the reverse of a week. And she had this image of how her daughter would grow. When the second she was born, she had this image, this vision of her future. And that seeing how her actual future happened has been such a joy and a delight. And I'm like, I'm crying and I'm like, ah, this image of like scientist mother suffragette. Mm, just she's so great. And this woman was such, I can say this on this channel, such a kick-ass woman. I mean, yeah. like, she went to college on a scholarship because she convinced anyway, she was at this college and it was an all-women's college, and there was a fire. And they were like, oh, my gosh, it takes firefighters an hour to get here, right? Because we're in the boonies. Yeah. And they said, okay, we should start our own firefighting chapter. So they go to the local firefighter and they say, we want to start our own firefighting chapter. First all-female firefighting chapter, as far as we know, in the world. And the firefighter is like, well, you have to climb ladders. And Hertha's like, fine. Boop, 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 goes up to down five times. He says, okay, fine. So they start a firefighting chapter and they have all these pictures of all these fabulous women in like 1880, 1890. And every group picture, there's always one lady on the ladder. Every time. With those pencil skirts, but they want to show. 
we can get up the ladder. And they practiced and they had the, you know, they were prepared. Unfortunately, no fires. Oh. Well, <laughs> they were Herta, Herta sounds like she may have been one of us. Um, I don't know, just because she was so good at school. But she yeah, might but have been. You really have ADHD and be so good at school if that's your area of interest. You know, I've met many ADHD women that that is not the struggle. Like socially, they may have struggled, but then, school was just right up their alley. Typically, I think you're right. We even if we do well, we work so much harder. But it's more just this all these ideas that she had and then totally in action. Right. Because yeah. we feel better when we're in action and we're challenging the status quo. So I'm curious, what are the ADHD traits that you feel are responsible for your success? Uh, definitely the pattern making, the seeing the big picture is a huge, huge, huge part of it. The, um, honestly, the inattentiveness, the, and it's not inattentiveness. It's, it's the, the sort of jumping from idea to idea and just letting it go. And there should be another word for that. I'm not sure what it is. I creativity. think that's been really over. That is creativity. Right. It's the opposite side of it because the inattention is all the ideas, right? And they call right. us inattentive, but we are working way harder than you are, you, you neurotypical. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. It's just a different kind of, of work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so uh, definitely that's been a huge part of it. So do you have a number one ADHD workaround? Honestly, I was thinking about that. And I think it's not a workaround as much as to remind ourselves that we we bring this spice to society and we don't need to do anything to prove our worth. We don't need to... We don't need to try harder. We don't need to be masking better. We don't need to get awards. We don't need to have subscribers, whatever it is. We don't need any of that to be worthwhile. In fact, nobody needs any of that to be worthwhile. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'm sorry if that's too metaphysical or something, but it's for me, not. it's true. So for me, that's way more important than how I try to remember to do my laundry. It's more like I try to remember that, I mean, not to sound like Mr. Rogers, but to sound like Mr. Rogers, I'm okay just as I am. And so is everyone else, except for, you know, the really horrible people. It's the mean your YouTube channel. No, no, I mean, I ended up talking about Nazis a lot because I'm oh, talking geez. about science. Yeah, well, yeah. And I'm like, I, yeah, I don't give it to Nazis. Just okay. like, eh, I'm I with draw you. lines. But yeah, I mean, most of the time, if you're trying to be kind and you're trying to be accepting, then that's all you need to do. And then, then we can try to be kind and accepting to ourselves. That's my big ADHD hack. Brilliant. And then figure out where your area of brilliance is. And it's connected to what you've got extreme interest for. Or not. You know what? You don't have to knit a hundred things or whatever. You can just be you. And if that's 
what you do, that's fine too. I don't think, I don't think we need to be so focused on achievement as much as focused on kindness because this world has plenty of achievement and not enough kindness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good point. So Kathy, where can people find you if they want to know more about you and what you do? Okay. So my theme is always Kathy loves physics, Kathy with a K and a Y, K-A-T-H-Y. Chatty Kathy. Uh, my YouTube channel is Kathy Loves Physics. My email is Kathy Loves Physics at Gmail. My website is Kathy And I can't figure out how to do anything else. I mean, like, I'm on Facebook, I think, as Kathy Loves Physics. And I'm never there. I can never figure it out. That's ironic. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and my book is The Lightning Tamers. And my last name is Joseph, Kathy Joseph. So I don't have your link here for your book. So maybe you can send that to me or do you want to just give it to me? Do I just look it up on Amazon? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's right there. Okay. I it's will look it up on Amazon and then we'll put the link in our show notes. So oh, thank Kathy, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. This was super fun. That was fun. I'm sorry if I got a little too, um, what, passionate? Sure. No, no, I met Willow at the end. I'm like, you're like, when is your practical hint? I'm like, be nice to yourself. I totally agree. I think my premise always comes from when we're more of who we are, we are doing what we love and we just need more joy and love for what we do and to become more of ourselves, right? So I think we're actually on the same wavelength, the same woo-woo wavelength. Yeah. There is something beautiful about that, right? Like, I mean, that's a big part of what I've learned about this and how exciting it, it is. It should be hard, to... right? It should be yeah. easy and flow. It flows and joyful and and we're happy. And isn't that exactly. ultimately what we want for ourselves and our children and friends and family and all that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I totally think that. Okay. So thank you again so much. This was fun. It was. If you like this episode with Kathy, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal, you know what it is. It's to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can know how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And you know what? Your reviews really help in that regard. So as always, you're listening to ADHD for Smart Ass Women. Come join us over at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.